Daniela Feku Martinez is a registered dietitian and is currently a patient education specialist at Seamless MD, where she designs surgical digital care plans for patients. Daniela has a Bachelor of Applied Science in Nutrition and Food and a Master's in Health Science and Nutrition Communication from Ryerson University. Through her own experience navigating the healthcare system with her family, Daniela knows how overwhelming medical information can be for patients and believes that repeating key messages and different forms of communication is vitally important. As a dietitian in the health tech industry, Daniela enjoys applying her clinical skills and incorporating concepts such as plain language, health behavior theories, and facilitation skills to manage project teams. Her favorite part of the role is reading patients' feedback and being able to make meaningful, measured difference in guiding patients to a safer recovery. Daniela, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. So on today's episode, we wanted to focus on digital patient engagement for colorectal surgery. Uh, and so we're going to specifically address, you know, what's unique in colorectal care? How does digital patient engagement address these unique perspectives? How Daniela and the patient education team at CMOSMD designs unique programs for colorectal care? And we're going to dig into some of the unique insights from patients who underwent colorectal surgery using CMOSMD and digital patient engagement. Um, so Daniela, to kick things off, uh, we were curious, what got you interested in the first place in digital patient engagement or, or digital health? Um, you know, health tech, I don't, I don't think I know any other healthcare professionals uh, or very few in the health tech industry. So I think just the fact that it was so new and unique really drew me in. But um, also, you know, just my background in health literacy and communication made me, made me think that I could be really good at this job. It just made a lot of sense. You know, um, my personal experience, I really believe that it's super important to help patients understand and empower them to help them make their own health decisions. So that's where health literacy plays a huge role. Uh, but mostly, I, I really, really like that I could have like a huge impact on patients. Having built over 10 programs, some of those programs have perhaps 100 patients. That's a huge impact. And uh, I love that I could touch so many lives. So I know whenever we do a new implementation of any kind, whether it's for colorectal surgery or another specialty surgery or, or even like oncology programs, we always interview patients uh, ahead of time to understand topics that are important to them. And I think these are patients that have already gone through a colorectal surgery, for instance. Were there any unique topics or concerns that patients had when you were talking with them for the colorectal surgery programs that you built? Yeah, some of the unique um, aspects that keeps coming up with our colorectal patients, um, and honestly, most of our surgical patients, is this fear of anesthesia. Um, some patients are scared about going under and maybe not waking up. And then with any GI surgery, any kind of GI issue, constipation, nausea, diarrhea, vomiting, all those things are concerns after surgery, and, and they want to know how to deal with them. And then for the actual digital program and the content that you're building into the program, how do you help patients navigate some of those challenges? Let's say with like GI issues, for instance. I like to think of it like a, we kind of use like three different things. So we always educate patients on, you know, what can you expect after surgery? You know, it's normal to have some of these GI problems, but then uh, we also remind them on how to prevent it. So for example, if someone's super constipated and this is very common after surgery, we're going to send them reminders about, you know, you need to be drinking your fluids, you need to be eating regularly, you need to keep moving around, because all these things are going to keep you regular. Um, and then sometimes we also, you know, provide some education around medications if, if they need to, to manage their problem. Another thing that we do is we have something called the health check. So we actually walk patients through the different possible GI symptoms, 
And if they indicate they have any, we provide them with a recommendation on how they can manage that problem. And Daniela, uh, maybe because I think um, like a lot of people at home maybe don't know what a health check is because when they, I guess when they think about patient education that patients get, they're thinking of like a pamphlet that kind of just sits there, doesn't do anything. So when you say like a health check and, and patients get some feedback on it, could you maybe like describe a little bit what that might look like for a patient? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. Um, basically, I call it like a head to toe check. So we walk you through the different possible problems that you could have after surgery and you let us know how you're doing. So we ask questions, do you have any of these common stomach problems? And then the options are constipation, diarrhea, bloating, and then you can check off all the ones that apply to you. Uh, if none of them apply to you, no problem saying none of these problems. And if you do have one of those problems, then we tell you, hey, here's what you can do about it at the end of the survey. Yeah, and I think, you know, one of the cool things I've noticed about some of the programs that you've built is that um, there's a lot of, like, intelligence or logic built into um, these health checks for patients. So, um, like, I think I've seen ones where if the patient says, yeah, I've been constipated, I think sometimes you've built in, like, intelligence where it actually asks them, well, like, how constipated were you? Like, was it, like, like a day? Was it, like, five days? And then based on, on the patient's, like, uh, fuller picture i think like you you end up giving different feedback to patients on how to manage that is that kind of how it works or yeah exactly we, we call it branching logic uh, or algorithms you know lots of different names but essentially we ask you probing questions so if like you mentioned you have constipation we're going to ask you maybe you know when's the last time you used the bathroom one day ago two days ago because it's actually normal for people to have different bowel routines and you know maybe go every one or two days um, but also after surgery, there's a normal expectation that you might not go right away. That makes sense. And, and so I think what's really neat about the programs you designed, Daniela, are that if it was something like, oh, it's been one or two days, but that's maybe a normal expectation, it sounds like they just get, they get told that. But if it's like been like five days and that's something maybe they should call in for, it sounds like you, you prompt them to, to call in, you let them know who they should call. Yeah, and because we work directly with their clinical team, um, every clinical team has their own expectations, and this can vary by team, but also by surgeries. So if their clinical team team deemed that maybe five days was too long, that's kind of like the threshold. And for other clinical teams, sometimes it's three days is too long. Sometimes there's things you can do at home, and sometimes there's things that you actually need to get professional help with. So I think that's where we kind of help patients understand what steps they need to take and when. I think that's really cool because like when you when you look at a lot of um, like paper-based instructions that, that at least I've seen, um, they'll just tell the patient, hey, if you're constipated, and they won't even tell the patient what constipated means. So just say constipated, like who knows what that really means, but it'll either say, okay, if you're constipated, just drink more water, eat more fiber, and that's it. Or maybe it, it's over the top and it goes, oh, if you're constipated, call back in. But most, I think a lot of these booklets don't really differentiate like what's okay to do it, to deal with at home, what's something that should be maybe escalated. Um, and I think probably what's helped, and I'll look at your take on this, Daniela, do you feel like your background as a clinician like has helped you design pathways to be this, I guess, patient-centric and and flexible because I'm, I'm kind of imagining like frankly like Alan like if you and me were just like I don't know if we were just like tech people mm -hmm. I feel like we would just have just taken those paper-based things thrown them on the app and said okay it's digital 
But I almost feel like, Danielle, because of your clinical background, it's given you almost like a different um, approach mm-hmm. to, to how you look at these health checks or like these protocols. Like, like can you share any insight into like how you feel like being a clinician has helped or, or made you look at it differently? 100%, 100%. I think um, when you're going through your training and you're learning how to be a better clinician, I feel like the number one thing I was taught was individualize, individualize the care plan. You know, it's not an umbrella, uh, one size fits all uh, kind of solution. So what I really love um, that we can do on Seamless is actually hide information from certain patients that doesn't even apply to them. So I can ask you questions, you know, for example, did you have an ileostomy? And I don't need to bombard all these other colorectal patients that didn't have an ileostomy with that information and only give those ileostomy patients that information that pertains to them. And I think that really reduces confusion and anxiety um, and feeling overwhelmed. So one of the main things we try to do on this program is reduce anxiety and then empower patients. So by providing very, very tailored and small bits of information and very specific information to your own health, I think really helps and it is really awesome for patients and on a paper you don't always get that because every time you give a handout to a patient you're not going to go edit what applies to them what doesn't you check it off a box or you scratch stuff out um so so we have this really cool tool to do that with seamless i know for colorectal surgery for instance there's oftentimes a stoma that a patient might have which would be entirely new for them there's a lot of questions that they might have on how to manage certain problems that they might have with that um, what are some of the common things that come up for that you have to design for, uh, for like, let's say a stoma patient? Is there anything in particular that you've proactively put into the program for those patients? Yeah, absolutely. So in, in our branding logic, there's really kind of two pathways for stoma patients. We have our colostomy and we have our ileostomy patients. And in the branching logic, I ask ileostomy patients a little bit more about their output and how watery it is because ileostomy patients are at a higher risk for dehydration. So the threshold for how often you have output in your stoma bag is different for an ileostomy versus a colostomy. So we're able to you know, identify if an ileostomy patient is at risk for dehydration. And if they say like, oh, I'm having all this output, it's super, super watery, then we could go in and ask, well, are you dehydrated? And then what does dehydration look like to a patient? So we don't really ask them dehydration, we ask them, do you have dry lips? Hmm. are you peeing? Is your pee brown? And we ask them things like that to kind of um, help them understand if they could be dehydrated. Right. So meeting the patient where they're at, understanding language, it's obviously super important. So making sure that it's uh, at a certain grade level where they can actually understand, you know, dry lips as opposed to are you dehydrated? That's maybe a a higher level concept. Yeah. What does dehydration mean? Right? How would, how would a, um, a patient know? Maybe they do, but some people don't. So our programs are accessible to patients of all health literacy levels. I know you mentioned earlier in this podcast about, you know, a lot of the um, colorectal surgery patients we help um, are um, um, colon cancer patients as well. And you kind of mentioned, um, you know, we do some work around helping them track, um, you know, their mood or anxiety or do kind of mental health checks. I thought that was really interesting because I feel like a lot of times in surgery, we don't really expect to be tracking mood and anxiety. I'm pretty sure most of the instructions I've seen on paper, no one's asking the patient to track their um, their mental health. Could you talk a bit about kind of like, you know, like how we're doing that and, and like why that's important? Yeah, for sure. I think 
that, um, you know, as a society, we're getting so much better at including mental health in our checks and being more cognizant of that. So mood and anxiety, this is such a, a new diagnosis for a patient and something that can be so life-changing is so stressful. So we ask patients to rate their mood and anxiety out of 10 and to scale and they kind of get a pick where they're at and uh, it helps them reflect on how they're doing. And then once they reflect on how they're doing, we actually can give them kind of ideas and tips on what to do about it. If anyone mentions anything like super concerning, like they're saying, oh my God, I'm so depressed, I can't get out of bed, then you know we might actually recommend they see a, a professional. But if it's something like, oh, just like maybe I'm a little anxious today, you know, maybe do some belly breathing, maybe mm -hmm. talk to a friend, maybe join a support group. So I think that you know, just helping patients be more aware of how they're feeling one kind of normalizes it because there's still there's still quite a bit of stigma around mental health and you know not feeling okay. Um, so we're normalizing it. We're helping them feel um, aware of their emotions. We're helping them, you know, trying to help them how to deal with it. And I think that really lowers patients' anxiety overall. And I've actually had patients come back and say, you know, I actually felt more in control of the process. I actually feel less anxious. And that to me is just just perfect. That's exactly what we're trying to do. That's awesome. Um, and you know, Daniela, when we're talking about colorectal surgery, we know we always got to talk about bowel preps. I mean, I just feel like we got to do bowel preps when we talk about colons. Um, obviously, I think for bowel preps, they're often, sounds like they're often complicated for patients. There's like multiple time points and different instructions. Um, and it just feels like going digital should make that easier for a patient. Can you talk a bit about, you know, how that might look and feel for a patient on, on a platform like Seamless? Yeah, yeah, bowel prep can be so confusing. Imagine if you had to take four to five medications the night before surgery, um, and maybe you like lost your paper or something. One, it's digital, it's online, you have it for reference, but we actually break it down for you. So there's something we have on the program called a to-do list, and it actually says exactly what you have to do. So for bowel prep, patients often have to take about three sets of antibiotics, and then they need to actually drink the bowel prep. The most common schedule I've seen is 1 p.m., 2 p.m., 5 p.m., and 10 p.m. In addition to that, they also technically a lot of times have to do a bunch of other stuff like stop eating or, you know, take a special antibacterial shower. So we provide patients with the reminders about when to do these things. Like if you're one day before surgery and it's one o'clock, I can send you a text that says, hey, it's one o'clock, time to take your antibiotics. And I think we, we just break that down for patients medication instructions tend to be one of the most confusing things for patients and that's just kind of like the feedback i've gotten in my experience but also on on seamless and patients really appreciate that we've broken it down for them we talked with denise on a, an earlier podcast episode um she was emphasizing the the fact that we have these pictures on the platform and video and i know in in even the bio that for for yourself the importance on communicating and repeating certain messages in different formats uh, obviously would help the patient and in, in their understanding. Um, what are some maybe like educational differences that you're putting into the library for colorectal surgery versus some of these other service lines you've worked on? We have this really great resource on our education library and it's mostly for ostomy patients, but there's just so much to learn after surgery, you know, how to take your pouch off, how to put it on, how to empty it out, how to measure, you know, how much output is in your pouch. And we actually have step-by-step -step instructions with pictures for each instruction. You don't really find that too often. So I think that resource is really fantastic. Not only does it follow accessibility guidelines, but it really shows you like, 
a person squatting on a toilet, emptying their pouch, making sure nothing drips. Or it shows you things like how to carefully wipe around your stoma so you don't irritate mm. them. Uh, we really get into like little, little details like that that might be overlooked or maybe people assume patients understand. We, we cover all our bases. Mm-hmm. I think that's really awesome because like when you think about um, if you're a provider on that team, like let's say you're the, the ostomy you know, nurse provider or, or the colorectal surgeon and you deal with this stuff every day, in your mind, this is obvious. So how do you change like, your stomach bag? And that's super obvious if you're a healthcare provider doing that every day. But if you're a patient where this is like a major life event, you've never had this before, like you're just, you just had surgery. Now you're, now you have a stoma. Now you have to learn how to change it and manage it and all that kind of stuff that it must be really overwhelming. And if, and if you don't even have pictures for how to, how to change it, mm-hmm. it just, it seems incredibly hard to deal with both psychologically, but also just remembering stuff and understanding it. Um, it's such a simple thing to have like, you know, multimedia or illustrations. It seems like an obvious thing, but it almost feels like we forget that sometimes in healthcare where we just we're so used to dealing with that every day ourselves. We don't know that's so hard as people who are having these like one-off events with us. Yeah, absolutely. And you have to remember that for a lot of these stoma patients, it's lifelong. They mm. get a stoma bag. Sometimes it's, it's semi-permanent and they get it removed. And sometimes it's something that you live with for the rest of your life. Mm. So you have to learn how to use it. It can impact your confidence, you know, little things that we don't think about. Like, what are you going to wear? How are you going to hide it? There's so many devices now that kind of help with that. But like a really big topic in the Austin world um, that not every healthcare professional is comfortable with talking about is like sex and intimacy. So we even go that far to cover something like that because uh, it's a huge issue for them. In, in enhanced recovery and, and with all these protocols that are now, there's you know a, a stack of new protocols for patients to follow for enhanced recovery. Um, is there the ability for uh, patients on the program to track how they're doing and, and the healthcare team to, to monitor how the patients are, are doing on their, their protocols? For sure. A lot of our clients sometimes uh, start implementing new procedures or protocols when they start designing the program with us on CNS. So it's actually a really cool opportunity for them to see like, okay, how am I doing now? Like, how are my patients complying with, with these new protocols? What we actually do is before surgery, we teach patients what the protocols are and we remind them. But then right after surgery, we actually have uh, the survey that goes out and it asks them how compliant they've been. So, you know, did you take your chlorhexidine or hibiclin shower. And oftentimes for ERAS, there's two episodes we have to do that. So the night before and then the morning of surgery. So we actually ask them both. And when patients indicate that they haven't been compliant, we often ask them why. Sometimes, especially now with COVID, like stuff's running out of the pharmacies. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they don't have all the supplies. Sometimes it's like someone didn't really explain it to them. Sometimes it's that they got conflicting instructions. So providing that kind of feedback to, I think, the healthcare teams is, is, is super important. Mm-hmm. You mentioned as well, providers will often add in protocols once they've seen the program in a, in a digital means. Why do you think that is? Well, it's, uh, it's like an interesting process. So when we work with hospitals, it's typically a three-month process. And during this time, we often find that maybe, you know, the nurse practitioner is telling patients one thing. And then maybe the surgeon or pre-anesthesia mm-hmm. is telling patients another thing. So oftentimes I receive all of their patient education materials or I talk with them one-on-one and I'm like, hey, you guys told me two different things. Are you also telling your patients two different things? And it's kind of like an opportunity for them to talk as a team internally and figure out one thing. Like, please tell your patients one thing. 
Mm -hmm. um, so I think maybe that's why. And then some of my, my teams have been like, oh, you know, we've been really wanting to try this new ERAS protocol. I really want my patients to stop eating six hours before surgery. Uh, now's a good time to do it. You know, we have everyone together. So I think maybe it just kind of helps them collaborate. Sometimes healthcare is so siloed and people don't really talk to each other. Um, maybe within a clinic, but maybe not anesthesia and the surgery group. I, I don't know, but mm -hmm. I, I think maybe that's why. You know, I said this funny thought. Um, someone should do a, a parody where um, they create like a paper instruction of um, what the different team members actually are telling patients and give it and then give it to them as their actual <laughs> instruction sheet. So the sheet would say, okay, the surgeon says, stop like drinking at midnight for the nurse says stop drinking five hours before and you just like give this to a patient and it'd just be hilarious how different everything is yeah. um and, and the, we laugh about it but this is so common it is so common and kind of scary too mm -hmm. um so to your point i i think definitely we've seen a lot of providers say hey like people finally get in the room because the seamless app can only say one thing it can't say the surgeon said this but the nurse said this so so that's a really great point um Daniel, i wanted to ask you i mean obviously um you know the platform can't solve everything or there's always kind of like um, opportunities for improvement i was curious like based on the patient feedback that you've seen for colorectal has anything in particular popped up where it's like hey you know what like at some point we'd like to be able to do this for patients and they're they're asking about it but we just you know can't do it yet or it's later on the roadmap anything that that's popped up i think one of the things that would be really great for patients uh, to have on seamless is although our step-by-step -step instruction for awesome patients are awesome i would really love to have videos because i think um there's only so much you can do with pictures and something so like specific i think a video might show a little bit better um and, and something else i think is really important we often connect our ostomy patients and sometimes even cancer patients with their uh, respective support groups mm. and you know if we could create like an online community where people could reach out or to to other people going through the same thing or past patients and they can share tips i, I think uh creating that network online would be amazing for patients and um I mean, two-way communication with their healthcare team would also be really cool. I know there's lots of different solutions for that right now, but having everything centralized in one app is, is just more convenient. Makes sense. Yeah. Um, what about in, in terms of patients who have now gone through your colorectal care plans, have you heard feedback from them? And, and if so, like what's the general consensus or what's some of the feedback been like from patients? Yeah, I'd like to say that colorectal surgery surgery is one of our most successful programs. So I think we actually have quite a lot of great feedback. Some of the things that we hear a lot include, um, you know, I felt so connected with my healthcare team. Thank you. Or, I mean, I think I mentioned this earlier, it made me feel confident and in control of the process. That's amazing. How many times do patients feel in control of their health? Um, I, I don't know if that's very often. Mm -hmm. um, we also provided patients with ideas on how to manage common symptoms. So I was talking about that health check earlier, you know, they told us what's wrong and we told them exactly what to do. Hey, this is like really big issue. Call your nurse. Hey, you have constipation? Why don't you just try a laxative? You don't need to call anyone. So we, we got a lot of feedback about like, you know, I didn't need to call my nurse to tell me how much Imodium to take. I didn't need to call my nurse to, to tell me what do I do about this fungal rash on my stoma. We actually just had all the instructions in there and I've already connected with our healthcare team. So I know they're the right instructions. Hmm. 
And so it's, it's preventing some of these phone calls and preventing the patient from having to do these extra steps. 100%. Wow. And then, yeah. And then, you know, if they're worried at home, we tell them what they can do. Sometimes you just don't know if, you know, you should call someone or you don't. But we kind of guide patients, you know, this is a serious issue. You should get help. Mm-hmm. I do have these fast five questions, Daniela, and, and we were going to run into this lightning round and, and kind of just ask these five questions really fast. But I do want to check in to, to see if there's anything else that Josh wanted to explore or Daniela, if you have any thoughts on, on the colorectal surgery programs that you felt you haven't done justice yet and you wanted to, to explain or no? Okay. I think I think you gave some fantastic insights. So I'm happy to do the fast five. Awesome. Okay. So Daniela, we're wondering what is your favorite book or book you've gifted the most? Um, I don't really read for pleasure, <laughs> but but um, I do read recipes, and I do have a recipe book. It's really pretty. I mostly look at it for the pictures, but it's called. <laughs> by Antonio Carlucci and uh, teaches you how to make it from scratch. So that's, that's really cool. That's great. So actually I'm going to improvise the second question. What is your favorite food or recipe? Cheese. Cheese. Always cheese. Any specific kind or just cheese in general? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Gruyere and you have to eat it in the Swiss Alps or it just doesn't taste good. <laughs> With the view and everything. That's the oh, only yeah. way to enjoy yeah. it. Yeah. Okay. Can't go back. <laughs> That's great. Um, who is a person either dead or alive uh, who you'd love to meet? You know, those questions where you, you can sit down for lunch with anyone, uh, dead or alive. Is there anyone you, in you particular? You can have Greer cheese with them in the Swiss Alps. In the Swiss Alps, that's right. I can't have cheese with this person because he's vegan, but um, I'm a little obsessed with Chris Burkard. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Um, but he's basically a photographer, but he also does like lots of cool adventure stuff. So he goes on like multi-day hiking and biking trips and just rock climbing and all this like really, really cool stuff that I wish I could do too. Um, so I would love to meet him. He's just like super positive, such a chill vibe. Uh, he just seems great to like have around. You know, he, he actually does watch this podcast, so <laughs> this might happen. We'll, Number we'll, one we'll thing. make it happen. <laughs> Um, I, kind of actually jumping off of that answer, it, I, I kind of get the sense that you you like to travel. Uh, is there a favorite place in the world that you've traveled to or, or visited? Or, or if not, is there a favorite place that you want to go to one day? Um, I'll just speak from my own experience. I haven't traveled much, uh, but some of the places I've been to are ridiculous. And the most ridiculous, amazing place I've been to is Patagonia. It's so hard to get to. Like, no, it's not hard. It's a lot of flying. Uh, it takes a very long time. Um, but when you go there, what you see is unlike anything else. Uh, so I went there for a couple of weeks. It was amazing. I can't wait to go back. Hmm. Uh, yeah, Patagonia. And is there anything in particular about it? Like, is it the, the scenery or the people, the culture? Uh, all, of, all of it. All of it. All of it. People are so chill down. Like, Patagonia, for anyone who doesn't know, is like southern uh, Chile in Argentina. And people down there are just relaxed. It's mm. awesome. The air is crisp. Mm. I, I'm a dietitian. I hate water. Uh, the water there is delicious because it's glacier water. And I don't know if there's like a different mineral content, but it's, I actually drink water when I'm there. It's, it's, it's awesome. But the mountains you know, are what it's known for. I've never heard someone say, like, <laughs> wow, that water was really delicious. So <laughs> That's right. You have to try that water now. 
It, I promise you, it's ridiculous, yeah. <laughs> All right, last question that we have, Daniela. Um, <clears throat> this is a COVID-19 related question. So since the pandemic uh, started, is there a new hobby or activity that you've taken up? I would say my latest hobby is killing houseplants. And I shower them with so much love, but it's just not reciprocal. So. Oh, no. <laughs> I've started collecting plants from my garden and bringing them inside because I've just run out of plants. Right. But I have some in the background. See, they're alive. <laughs> yeah, those look like they're living. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's actually really nice. We need to we need to set up another conversation with Denise on the podcast as well, and she would give you some tips on plants and. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like plant rescue podcast. She's uh, exactly. the opposite of me. <laughs> yeah, she's got a real green thumb. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Well, uh, Daniela, that's the end of our fast five lightning round. Um, we really appreciate the insight that you gave on the colorectal surgery, digital care plans that you've built at CMOS MD. Um, hearing you know, what it is like from the patient perspective, but also patient education and actually building this content, what goes into to building a successful program that's leading to, like you said, you know, patients having less anxiety and feeling connected to the care team and, and different uh, you know, outcomes like that, I think is incredible. And so just to have you on the show, I think you've, you've blessed our audience and uh, I know I'm really grateful to to have this conversation with you and to to get a little bit more of what SeamlessMD is out into the world uh, and specifically from a colorectal surgery lens, I think was very innovative and, and really appreciate you taking the time today. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I hope uh, you know that insight was super helpful and helped people understand what colorectal patients are offered on our program. And for anyone else, you know, what clinicians can do in health tech. It's such a new field and it's a little scary to go into something new, but uh, still very rewarding. That's oh, great. Thank you so much, Danielle. I appreciate it. Thanks, Thank guys. you, Danielle. Bye. See ya.